Saint Sister Faustina, God's messenger of divine mercy. There is a time for mercy and a time for justice. Expelling Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden was an act of God's justice. But even then, as the angel was blocking the way to the tree of life in the Garden of Eden and ushering our first parents out into the cold world, God was showing his mercy to us through his promise of the Messiah, the Redeemer. God has always lived up to his word. Throughout salvation history, we have been beneficiaries of God's mercy, and very few times has he let loose his justice. Sodom and Gomorrah was God's justice. Noah and the ark was God's justice, but also mingled with God's mercy. The miracle of Moses and the Jews crossing the Red Sea was God's mercy, coupled with God's justice and the fairest charioteers. When finally we are in the last days, we possibly the end of the world at hand, and we are about to face the last judgment. At that time, the God of mercy will give way to the God of justice. God has continued to give us the benefit of his mercy down through the centuries. A powerful messenger of God's mercy, which parallels Saint Sister Faustina and devotion to divine mercy, is Saint Margaret Mary Alacoque and the promises of the Sacred Heart devotion. Through her, God manifested and made known his mercy through his Sacred Heart in the 17th century. We come to the 20th century, the dawn of the last century of the second millennium, and we find that God has sent us prophets and visionaries once more to warn his children. There have been many prophecies, including one by St. Don Bosco, that lend credibility to the strong belief that the second coming will occur at the end of this last decade of the 20th century. The world is behaving with the same insane euphoria as it did at the time of the fall of Greece and Rome. Decadence, promiscuity, concupiscence, and apostasy are rampant. If we were ever in need of God's mercy, it is now. And so, our Lord answers our prayers before we even know we need his aid. Early in the 20th century, the Lord gave us a simple servant, Helen Kowalska, born in the small village of Glogovich, Poland, on August 25, 1905, the day before the National Feast of Our Lady of Shestahova. Poland is much like Mexico, 95% Catholic, but 98% Shestahovan. They have always had a great devotion to Our Lady under that title. She has saved them from utter destruction many times in the history of this troubled country. Poland has been dominated throughout the centuries to a great extent by her next-door neighbors, Germany and Russia. From time to time, each will take turns invading and pillaging Poland. The period of time when Helen Kowalska grew up in the little village of what is today central Poland was a turbulent time in the stormy history of the country. Just prior to Helen's birth, Poland had been chopped up by its neighbors. In 1918, when Helen was only 13, a new republic was created which gave the country just a fraction of its former land, small enough to guarantee it will never be a threat to either Russia or Germany. But even that only lasted 21 years when Nazi Germany invaded Poland and Russia, then part of the Soviet Union, then followed by occupying her until 1989. We believe this period, this 33 years in the life of Helen Kowalska, 
later to be known by the whole world as Sister Faustina, and now Saint Sister Faustina, was to give us strength, courage, and trust in God's mercy, which we would need desperately in this last century of the second millennium. But on an immediate scale, it was to prepare the people of Poland for the hell this dear country will have to endure for the next 51 years following the death of Sister Faustina. Our Lord knew what strength the people will need, and he began giving it to them through his apparitions and messages to Sister Faustina. Sister Faustina's Early Days As with many families of that time, Helen's father was a stern man, a, disciplina a disciplinarian who maintained a strong grip on his family. He was also, however, a very spiritual man who prayed diligently. In her diary, Sister Faustina writes how impressed she was with the way her father prayed. But for the most part, the children received their religious training from their mother. Marianne Kowalska was a very loving, pious woman who insisted she give her children a strong foundation of the faith so that they too would be able to pass this on to their children. Daily prayer, the rosary, observance of Lenten and Advent fast, and abstinence were all part of Helen's upbringing. Although they never had money, the parents gave high priority to trying whenever possible to save a little to buy books on the saints. Helen loved to hear stories of the monks and hermits. She used to share these stories with the children with whom she played. Helen felt the strong presence of the Lord Jesus in her heart from an early age. She tells us in her diary that when she was seven years old, she felt a call to the religious life. From the age of seven, I experienced the definite call of God, the grace of evocation to the religious life. It was in the seventh year of my life that for the first time, I heard God's voice in my soul. That is an invitation to a more perfect life. Helen's strongest fusion with Jesus came during communion or in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Receiving Jesus in the Eucharist was a high point of her life. When I was present at Vespers and, and the Lord Jesus was exposed in the monstrance, it was then that for the first time God's love was imparted to me and filled my little heart. At another point, she wrote in her diary, The most solemn moment of my life is the moment when I receive Holy Communion, and for every Holy Communion I give thanks to the Most Holy Trinity. If the angels were capable of envy, they would envy us for two things. One is the receiving of Holy Communion, and the other is for suffering. And yet, as a child, Helen was willing to sacrifice this most special gift going to Mass so that her sisters could use the one Sunday outfit available to go to Mass. At these times, she received spiritual communion. She would hide in a corner and just pray. She closed herself off from the whole world and spiritually joined them at Mass. Even her dear mother, who might call her to perform one task or another, would have to wait until the Mass in the church was over because Helen became so lost communicating with the Lord. Helen's formal education was very short. This, this created some problem in the translation and use of her diary as a source of information about her life and the mission of divine mercy. It was written by a person with less than two years' education. Sentences were not properly structured. Grammar was incorrect. 
meanings were not clear. There would come a time when the enemy would cause this lack of education to be a major stumbling block. The major grounds for having the devotions to the divine mercy of God suspended by the Vatican for 20 years. Does this not remind us of the story of Gideon in the Old Testament? The Lord made Gideon send home most of his soldiers because he wanted all the world, especially Gideon and his people, to know that he was delivering them from the hands of their enemies and not the power of Gideon or the soldiers. The same occurred with Faustina. The Lord was probably saying to us, don't get the idea that anyone but me gave this devotion to Faustina and that anyone but me will have it accepted in the church. Please load our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Here's how to download our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Simply with your iPhone or Android device, go to the app store, search for Bob and Penny Lord app and download it. It's that simple. Here's what you can do with our free Bob and Penny Lord app. Number one, the, there's a link to our marketplaces, our websites, uh, our uh, blog, and this podcast. The second link is to our Bob and Penny Lord TV channel, where you can access all of our videos as seen on EWTN, plus a whole lot more. Thank you very much.